Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Dr. Sean Allen. Esquire. They say hello. <laughs> hello! <laughs> so, the reason today Sean's a guest instead of the guest star, like he usually is. Wow. Is <laughs> because today we're going to talk about Sean's field. We're yeah. talking about CAR T cells. Yeah, that mm. is that is actually going to come up today. Mm. Yeah, Sean, for you guys who don't remember, is on the forefront of cancer research. Him alone! <laughs> I don't like how you're saying it because it sounds like you're mocking me, but I am literally on the forefront. <laughs> so you're in the vanguard. Kind of He's like the lieutenant in World War One who dies first. It's like unfortunately difficult to take you seriously. So <laughs> I'm like a little mad about it. But yeah, um, we're, we're actually doing side quests today. Yes, this is this is side quests number two. We're gonna talk about little strange little stories, little vignettes, spooky tales, creepy pasta from across the science world. Yeah, and we're starting first with the creepiest thing of all, Sean's legitimate research. <laughs> yes. yes, this one's this one's not actually scary at all, but it's it's just information. It's news that I saw that I thought was very interesting, and it's bringing together a couple of things that we've already talked about. Okay, so years ago, 2019. Yeah. Whoa, that that's the spooky <laughs> yeah. part. Oh man, <laughs> that's a bummer. Yeah. You guys don't even know. Nathan pulled sort of a what what was that a uh, uh, like a Borat? Uh, kind of Borat sure, right sure. there. Bor- Borat works, Borat works. I was thinking more like the, the killer in Silence of the Lambs where he tucks it. Do you think I'm sexy? <laughs> Would you fuck me? Um, okay, ages ago, in 2019, we did a couple episodes about a technology called CRISPR. Okay, people can be forgiven for not remembering that episode because it was episode like ten or eleven. Yeah, but you're kind of a jackass if you don't know what CRISPR is by now, right? It's like it's like gene editing technology. It's, it's been therapy. it's been popping it's up like a lot chip, chip, chip. out there in the world. Yeah. As a refresher, the way that CRISPR works is that there is a riboprotein, which is a mix of some protein and RNA, and the RNA helps guide the protein to a specific spot in your genome, like in all of your DNA. It guides it to a certain spot, and then the protein does something. Right. In traditional CRISPR, what that protein does is it cuts through the DNA, okay? And typically, that makes it so that the cell is like, oh, fuck, I have cut up DNA inside of me. I need to repair this. Right. And so it repairs it, but when it repairs it, it kind of does a shitty job. Right. It would be like if... Like, you or I punched a hole in our wall and then had to try to, like, fix it. Right. You know, we, like, we would not do a good job. Right, right, right. We, I would just fill it with epoxy as best <laughs> I could. I would, like, conceptually know to go to Home Depot. Right, right, but, like, right. I wouldn't, like, really. Like, <laughs> you, like, get stuck on the flower <laughs> section. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm aware that they have something that could fix this. You but come with, like, money it. trees back home. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was there for a reason, I wasn't I? Put, put it in front of the hole that I just punched. Um, so... <laughs> 
this usually ruins that gene right. where it just got cut by uh, the CRISPR protein. This is called a knockout of that gene. Right. But there are other forms and uses of CRISPR developed for different purposes and to address different issues with normal CRISPR. For example, you can try to add a new gene into the spot that CRISPR just cut, and that's called a knock-in. Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to add in a gene that humans just don't have. A copy like, of. like turning blue. Like turning blue, or being able to make our own vitamin C, or being able to glow green or something like that. Yeah, like be like Cyclops. Be like Cyclops. (laughs) Uh, In any case. So you can do a knock-in. You can pop in a new gene in there. But there is another option, and you can use a completely different protein in CRISPR that does not cut DNA at all. Mm. Instead of cutting the DNA, it does something called base editing, which means it changes a specific letter of the DNA. Okay. So it can change an A to a T or something Right, right, right. And this is a much more precise change to the DNA, and you could use that for fixing a mutation. I was about to say, isn't there some disease that's just like a fuck up of one yeah. single? Yeah. Was it like sickle or something? Or no, it's not yeah, that uh, beta thalassemia, I think, is one where you. Can... Uh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> In any case, you Sounds can like do a this. Greek city. Look, go back and listen to episodes <laughs> ten and eleven of ours. Yeah. Okay, there's a really funny fake ad with Jimmy Coconuts in it. So nice. It, it's worth it. Nice. Um, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> but the point is that. Um, It can make these really precise changes. You can fix a mutation, or you can still fuck up a gene by changing one base pair. Yeah. It's just, in that case, you're less likely to have off-target effects. Because if if you're just cutting your DNA, like, if there's a small percent chance you cut in the wrong spot, you could, like, seriously fuck up that cell. Right. Right. So... In this case, it's just a little base pair change. It's less likely to fuck up in random spots. Um, So it's a little bit safer. And it wouldn't really matter in a Petri dish with just a bunch of cells right. to use regular CRISPR. But when it comes to using it as a treatment for people, right. the base editing version seems safer for use in humans. Okay, we have a real-life example. Yes, yes. CRISPR, it was adopted very quickly by scientists like doing right. research. But it's taken a little bit to get into the clinic. And a young girl was recently treated with cells that were CRISPR modified. Oh, shit. And in this case, specifically, base edited. Okay. okay, and did they strategically choose a young girl to make the story more sympathetic? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I think... So you, wait, that's a serious allegation. So they gave her cancer. No. So that they can no, have a sympathetic it's just character. they were sitting there. There was a bunch of people with cancer coming in. and They're they, like, they were only like, young girls. Yeah, they're like, listen. Yeah. You're old. So, yeah, like, yeah. I kind of, no, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they were, that the, this was just a specific case of right place, right time. Right. Okay, it all came together. This young girl had T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or T-all, which is a blood cancer, where the cancerous cells are these kind of immature T-cell guys from the okay. bone marrow. Okay. Um... To treat this young girl, the scientists made some CAR T-cells. Oh, shit. Which I believe we actually mentioned in our cancer episodes, also from 2019. Episodes like 18 or 19. This is the shit you invented. I did not invent CAR T-cells, but I am working in that field. CAR T-cells are... CAR T-cells. Man, you fucking sexy. CAR T-cells. Are T-cells. I thought you said Cartier cells for like two years. Nope. They are immune cells that perform a number of immune functions, including killing cancer cells. So, like, regular T-cells will kill some cancer cells. But to make them better at killing the cancer cells, we give them a CAR, which stands for chimeric antigen receptor. Right. Which is basically this protein that we engineered so that it can recognize specific stuff on cancer cells. That's cool. And then activate the T-cell. Tell the T-cell to, like, kill that shit as soon as you see it. Well, you're a researcher. You, like, finding... Are you like working on a specific cancer or something, or yeah? So that's cool. At the company that I'm at, right? You'd have to kill me to tell me if you tell me, right? 
Some people are going after specific cancers. Yeah. And I'm working like on process refining, the right? way that we make the cells. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's cool, man. So, CAR T-cells are already approved treatments. Yeah. Okay? So, they are already in the clinic for several cancers. Typically, the way it goes is that a patient has a cancer like B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And they go through a treatment course like chemo. So, pretty much everyone who gets CAR T-cells has already failed a course of other treatments. Right. So, they've already tried a few rounds of chemo. It just didn't work out. They go back to the hospital, and a bunch of their blood is collected, and the immune cells are sent to a biotech company. The biotech company takes the T-cells from the patient's blood, activates them, gives them the gene for the car, typically using a virus. And then a little after a week later, once the cells have grown up a little bit, these genetically engineered CAR T-cells are sent back to the hospital, and then the patient is reinfused with their own cells, hmm. but they're now genetically modified, Okay. The thing is, CAR T-cells are not currently approved for T-all, right. the cancer that this young girl had, in part because it's hard to find a good target on the naughty cancerous T-cells right. that aren't also on the good boy CAR T-cells, because they're all T-cells. Right. So they have a lot of the same proteins on their surface. This is where the CRISPR part comes in. The scientists used CRISPR to delete things from the CAR T-cells. Right. To make them less similar to the cancer. Oh, shit. And so they got rid of something called TRAC, uh, which is a component of normal T-cell receptors. It's what T-cells normally use to recognize antigens on stuff so they know what to kill. Okay. They also got rid of CD7. CD7 is the, th the thing on the cancer cells that these CAR T-cells are using to try to kill them. Okay. So if the CAR T-cells still had CD7 on them, they would kill, kill each other. Right. So that would be no good. They also got rid of something called CD52, which is another protein that both of them have in common, the cancer and the CAR T cells. But we have a we have an antibody, a monoclonal antibody treatment right. against CD52. And so they're like, okay, if we get rid of CD52 on the CAR T cells, we can also treat her with this antibody, and maybe that can like help a little bit. So is it okay to just get rid of this track stuff? That kind of sounded, like, useful, right? Yeah, so track could theoretically be useful, but there was a very good reason for removing it, right. okay? And the reason why is that the T-cell receptor is also what T-cells use to recognize, uh, basically, graft versus host situations. Right. So, normally with CAR T-cells, you use a patient's own cells. Right. And the reason for that is, just like an organ transplant, if you shove someone else's immune system into your body... Right that immune system will start killing your body. Because right. it'll be like, what the fuck is this place? Like, right. these are not our cells. Right. But if you get rid of the track, the CAR T cells no longer do that. They can't recognize that it's not their body anymore. So this allowed the scientists to use somebody else's T cells. They did not need to get the T cells from this young girl. They used a healthy random donor's T cells. Mm. And then we're able to turn them into CAR T cells and put them into this girl. Did we wait 30 minutes or five minutes after that person died? <laughs> they don't need to die. You can just get blood from them. <laughs> there should be a law. That's like that's like a life for a life. They, they can stay alive. <laughs> and yeah, so these genetically modified CAR T cells that got CRISPR'd, base editing CRISPR'd, right? And had three things knocked out. She was dosed with these cells June of 2022. Yeah. And she is still, her cancer is still in remission. So oh, far, that's cool. Which is really good news. Yeah. Um, the thing about this kind of cancer, uh, the acute part of the name, acute lymphoblastic yeah. leukemia, the acute part is that it moves really fast. Right. And so, uh, you know, her diagnosis was 
very serious. She tried chemo, it didn't work. And so this was kind of, you know, a last big line. Deal. This was the, the last option. Right. Really. And so the fact that she's got this six to seven months or whatever is a pretty amazing thing. You, well, the whole way you frame it is kind of freaking me out a little bit. Are we still expecting her to die or something? It, so there are plenty of times where people will get treated for cancer, including with CAR T cells. Yeah. Where they will get time, but eventually the cancer comes back. Right, right, right. It's... That might be the case for a lot of different kinds of cancers. It's just in older people when they get cancer. Like, a third of human beings will get cancer. Right, right, So, like, a lot of us get cancer. 20% of all humans are going to die of cancer, right? Yeah. It's just, if you're, like, 95 or something like that, and a cancer treatment gave you, like, three years, four years. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good, man, you know? But if you're a young girl. Yeah. That's pretty like, good too, because that's like half your life. It's 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 good and it's meaningful, but yeah. it it I think that it's in remission for now. Right. There's a possibility it'll come back. I hope right. it won't. Yeah. But it's possible. Wow. It's possible. Yeah, that sucks, man. It's tough. It's tough. Cancer's hard, dude. If I was born with some sort of debilitating thing and we didn't know how long I'd live, would you like bother to know me at all, or would you be like, I don't get emotionally attached? <laughs> You know, when we were younger, I did not have the emotional wherewithal to have made that decision. You weren't attached to me anyway. Uh, I, I, no, I, I would have loved you like my bread, no matter what. You were my breadwood the whole time. I would have gotten emotionally attached. All right. Let's take it. That's quick, great. Yeah. Quick I'm quick. glad you brought it up. Now I'm sad. Now I'm sad just thinking about it. All right. All right. Let's Race take a break. Right boy. And when we, when we come back. <laughs> When we come back, I let, have news for you. Let's let's like extremely switch gears and talk about <laughs> I the ate Romans. Some of your car T cells, <laughs> they cut out my liver, my liver genes. <laughs> now my liver's a kidney. Uh, you're mixing up CRISPR and car T cells, buddy. Uh, but the car T cells just shows how much you're not paying attention to anything I'm saying. <laughs> Like, straight up, we have, like, four hours of talking about these two topics, and then I just rehashed them, and still you fucked it up. All right, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna take a break. Hi, everyone. I'm Stacy Sang, the sound editor and designer for Petri Dish. I'm young, talented, and beautiful, and people are always asking me, how can I be more like you? You can't. But maybe you can be the best version of yourself this year with blood transfusions. It's a simple idea, folks. A tale as old as time. Get some young blood inside you. There's plenty out there. All that fresh, fragmented DNA floating around in your youthful blood will rejuvenate your entire body and empower your healing process. Every year around this time, all you guilt-ridden honkies love to give to charity, maybe to a food bank or a children's shelter, because you want to feel like a good person, and you really want that tax write-off. Well, this year, let all those kids give back to you with blood transfusion. <sighs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to switch gears. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, we're done talking about Cartier cells. And, yeah. yeah. Whoa. Let's talk about Romans. Yeah, yeah. So so switching gears pretty dramatically. Yep. Um, we're going to talk about Roman concrete. Yeah, dude. Um, why? What's the deal? It's pretty strong. 
Well, yeah, and <laughs> I thought the whole mystery behind Roman concrete is we didn't know how to make it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like the recipe's yes. been lost, right? Right? Like right, Greek right. fire, like Greek fire, right? How come all of these sneaky guys? Because th- those are the Byzantines, right? Right. They're all Romans. Who, well, yeah, I was about to say they thought of themselves as Romans. Yeah. That's yeah. very naughty of the Romans to keep losing shit. Yeah. Anyway, there are like Roman ruins and walls and shit still sitting around. So clearly the stuff is pretty durable. Yeah. It's been around for millennia instead of crumbling to dust in like 50 to 100 years like the modern stuff does. Okay? Right, right. I recall when I was younger being fairly skeptical about this whole idea in the sense that like I'm not a big proponent of the ancient wisdom or lost knowledge tropes, right? Like that there's sort of these ideas of like, oh, the, the ancients aliens knew so much better. Pyramids. Or, like, you know. Or, like, there, there was a whole civilization where they had flying cars and then they were wiped out by the flood or whatever, you know, that kind of shit. I also don't subscribe to that ancient wisdom thing. Yeah, but so... you gotta admit, cuneiform's better than modern writing. No, Because it's what? on stone tablets. Wait, but... And that means only some people got to learn to read and write. Oh, okay. And that's I clearly see. better. I see. This is an elitism thing. That you're yeah. Okay. Like, if I didn't know how to read or write, I'd be happier. Oh, this is a Taoist thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing Taoism right now. Wow. You know, so I was reading the um, the script to Insidious recently. And um, Insidious, a horror film, um, it actually starts with a a, poem slash philosophical quote from Lao Tzu. Okay. That's like, the universe has no death because it is endless and within and without. And the wise man is also endless because he is not inside himself, but is outside, the outside of oneself. And I was like, what the fuck was this guy ever talking about? (laughs) And I was like, and what the fuck does this have to do with the horror film? I think there's a reason why he liked stupid people so much. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. There's some people in China who seem to be like, yeah, man. (laughs) Okay. He called the universe the enigmatic female a lot of the time. Oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. And he thought you had to hell your cum, because that's where all your Uh, energy was. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just backed up Chinese guy wandering around. (laughs) Making a lot of sense. Okay. So, but looking... You gotta stop making sense! Looking into the... <laughs> you're not making sense anymore. These fans really wanted Benzema's kit shirts. Oh! It does look like there were legitimate advantages to something like Roman concrete. Like yeah, the, well, I mean, isn't the thing... Like, you could imagine Romans making a concrete that's very durable. Um, we could make things that are that durable. It's just, like, we're, like, capitalist pigs. And so we need to, like... We almost plan our... Ob- obsolescence right so we could just like have to build things later right yeah i mean, I mean like, like plywood we know plywood sucks but like <laughs> but like that's how you make the economy baby <laughs> it's like with bullshit well i i think that it's a little bit of both like that there are market forces at play here but i think also legitimately until the past five years right we were just not that sure what specifically about roman concrete made it good okay 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 so but i mean that implies we've learned it Uncle Blair cracked the secret. Yes. So the big overall story is that Roman concrete is self-healing. When cracks appear in the concrete, something happens over time that fills in the crack and kind of acts as a mineral glue that pieces together and holds together that concrete. We're going to slip into some metaphysics here. What is life? What is not life? Are you going to call the Colosseum alive? (laughs) I mean, it is a a living monument in stone to the... (laughs) To the changing definition of the Italian people, who remember killed Jesus. I'm, get, I'm getting mad. <laughs> I'm getting mad at you. <laughs> uh. All right, look. Okay, okay. So, so, so. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Let's take a step back. So, Roman concrete is alive. 
It self-heals. It can can heal itself. And is sentient. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes. But that means it can die, Nathan. Whoa. Uh, Look, so so Roman concrete can heal itself. Modern concrete does not do that. Okay. Okay. Roman concrete was better. At least in this sense, it was definitely better. In 2017, a paper came out looking specifically at marine concrete. And part of the reason for that is the Romans built some shit that, like, regularly interfaced with, like, the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. And, and, and it's still fine. Yeah, and it's, like, pretty surprising because seawater is usually pretty fucked up for, like, a lot of materials. Right, right, right. So they were looking specifically at what is going on with this concrete that's, like, getting bashed with seawater. And what they found was that the volcanic ash used in the Roman concrete reacted with the seawater to form certain minerals that basically filled in any cracks that were kind of being created over time. Wow. And that acted as a glue, and that kind of helped the structure stick around. That's the, cool. The thing is that Roman sea structures are not the only ones that have lasted right. a long time. Ironically, that would imply that the sea structures are the better ones. Right. But aqueducts aren't by the ocean. And the Colosseum and shit and like all of that stuff, yeah. right? So what about those guys? And yeah. so that's a paper that came out this year, actually. All right. MIT, these dudes, they published this paper where they basically took a piece of a Roman wall and they looked at it uh, using a bunch of different methods to analyze what was in there. And what they found out is that like, structurally Roman concrete looks a little bit different from modern concrete. Mm. The way that concrete works, uh, at least modern concrete, is you take something called Portland cement, which is uh, a mix of different kinds of minerals, and it's turned into a really fine powder. And when that mixes with water, you get this kind of cement stuff that when it dries, it kind of acts almost like a mineral glue. Okay, Ah, okay. okay. But you you mix that with, mm, I'm going to say, like very small rocks and particles and like fill stuff Mm -hmm. so what you end up with is like little tiny rocks and minerals and things that are all kind of like stuck together with this cement glue right and that's concrete so concrete is cement plus like little rock things in there Mm. and so you have these little like inclusions basically if you were to look at a piece of concrete like a cross section of it you would see some smoothish looking areas where it's just cement. Mm. And you'd see like little speckles here and there. Yeah, sure. I think we're all familiar with that. Yeah. So, Roman concrete, at first glance, might look kind of similar. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much the same idea. Volcanic ash has particles of a lot of different sizes. You mix that together with some stuff like slaked lime. and yeah, a couple you en- bones. You end up with something kind of similar. Yeah. Okay. But when they do a sort of mineral analysis scan of that, What they found was that some of the sort of bigger hunks of shit in Roman concrete were not volcanic ash stuff. Mm. They were actually these like kind of mineralized crystals that had formed out of what's called quicklime. Huh. And quicklime is this like pretty caustic, pretty reactive stuff that happens when you bake limestone really, really hot in like a kiln. Mm. uh, And then you turn it into a powder. It's like pretty dangerous for humans to be dealing with well who's gonna do that work in rome am i right (laughs) yes (laughs) uh but it it was typically uh it was typically one product in the chain to making slaked lime which is kind of what they used for cement basically okay so it's like an intermediate step that's a little bit more reactive and Mm. so they usually mix it with some water first to turn it into slaked lime right okay but anyway the point is that there's this quicklime stuff and it seems like there's quicklime in their concrete Hmm. And this is interesting. Scientists had kind of noticed before. I mean, this isn't the first time people have taken a cross-section of Roman concrete. They had seen chunks of stuff in there, but they assumed that it was because the Romans, like, fucked up their mixing. 
Mm. They're like, oh, this looks like they didn't like they didn't grind it into a powder enough. They didn't like quite mix it right. enough. It's pretty arrogant if you're a starting understanding is that it's better. It just it looked kind of like what our stuff would look like if you mixed our stuff shittily. Right. And so that was kind of the assumption for a little while. But what they figured out is, okay, if these things are quicklime, then what happens when a crack kind of forms through there and then water comes into that crack mm. is the water will react with the quicklime and form a bunch of mineral glue. Right. And will fill out the rest of that crack. So basically, inevitably, when cracks form in Roman concrete, those cracks will hit a little piece of quicklime. Right. The water will get in, and then all of those cracks will heal themselves. Wow. That's cool. And so to test that out, the MIT team made modern concrete, except they added in these little kinds of little domains of quicklime, basically. And then they introduced cracks, and then watched those slabs heal, basically. Boy. It's cool. I mean, that's like a new expression if you're bored of uh, watching paint dry, huh? <laughs> watching concrete watch, watch heal. Watch the concrete heal. Yeah. So concrete production is a huge source of carbon emissions. Right. A ton of concrete produces like a ton of carbon so dioxide. So if we could make a more efficient concrete, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have to replace concrete so much. Yeah. One that lasts longer. Yeah. Well, that's um, why we're never going to do it, right? Because of market forces. There is apparently, if I understand correctly, maybe the MIT team is like trying to start up something to be able to make this concrete and sell it. Well, you know who's a visionary? They got to make musk blocks. <laughs> <laughs> There would be nothing that would make me have less faith in this. Yeah, dude, blocks X faster than having than having Musk involved. Oh my god! As yeah, it would have worked like twenty five years ago. I mean, maybe, but like he's he's got like that the the boring company. Yeah, this is like they're digging holes. It's such a good name too. It's such a waste of like a really fucking good name. And then there was the whole Hyperloop thing, which was like he just he was doing that to like make it so that the high speed rail project would not like pass or something like that it was funny to read uh the genealogy of the boring company and how like it slowly turned into like okay so one tesla at a time and you're like ah it doesn't yeah yeah. (laughs) ah shit yeah yeah uh you know always of course referring back to the fact of like what is actually more cost efficient building tunnels underground or making your bus system better (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah but if you do that, then not everyone can own a Tesla, Nathan. All right, that's true. A Tesla in every garage yeah. is what Herbert Hoover said about the whole thing. All right, well, that was it. That was fucking it for oh. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was pretty cool, man. That was um, fucking it. Yeah. Roman Concrete, I wish I'd introduced that, that whole section better, because cause that was, um, I swear to God, when you put Roman Concrete, I was like, okay, we're going to talk about Roman Concrete. <laughs> that was really cool, man. It goes to show you that, like... Um, there, like, there are certain secrets and mysteries of ancient peoples. They were wiser than us. Um, and if we just put our ears <laughs> to the stone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next time you're in Rome, yeah, yeah. near the Colosseum, just yeah. come, go up to the listen, listen, listen. <laughs> open your fucking mind. <laughs> Uh, well, what, what I do think is true is that there were a lot of ancient peoples who, through oral tradition and just having hands-on experience with stuff, transmitted knowledge that was, like, empirically gained over long periods of time. Right. right. And every once in a while, that chain of knowledge transfer could have been cut. Yeah. Like, the Romans went through a certain kind of empiricism, a kind of homespun 
prairie empiricism, right? Of just like things working or not working in reality. And, you know, like, that, that's valid, too, and we should, you know, kind of look at through all that stuff conscientiously and, you know, see if there's something dis- juicy there. Yeah. It's like penicillin or something. Right? Because wasn't penicillin, like, some, some fucking, like, Native American folk, like, bark or something? Oh, like, no, you're thinking about aspirin. Aspirin, okay. Yeah, because that's willow bark. Right, right, right. Yeah, salicylic acid, I think is what it's Yeah, called. yeah, you know, and, I mean, like, I think it's, you know, I think we get so used to hearing yogic teachers, you know... Talk about QAnon and and tell you to eat turmeric and it's gonna cure your <laughs> testicular torsion. And, Whoa! And, <laughs> really? It will unwind your most. <laughs> I should I should get some turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that like sometimes you know it's it, on the other hand it, you know when we vet some of these yeah. ancient things through our own empirical process yeah you know it's like their empirical process the difference between theirs and ours is methodology in thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah, yeah that's good yeah, yeah i agree yeah. all right we got to wrap up this episode because yeah. i am torsioned down there so we got <laughs> to take care of them that's true all right let's say thank you to stacy song our sound lord and engineer mm-hmm. thank guys you. thank you contact us yeah mm. at petridishpod at gmail.com good job yeah you you can head over to patreon.com slash petridish hell you could go to culver city and you're, look, you gave out like most of my phone number on the last if episode. You, if, you, if you, you can't, call, look, can't also be the address. Look, <laughs> email me address. at n.blairallen at gmail.com. Nothing has spot though. Oh, good point. <laughs> and uh, also, we're Sean Liz. Oh, shit. <laughs> and we can, we'll get some hot dogs. We'll stake it out. All right. Oh, okay. And we'll see if we can see a wild Sean sighting. It happens every We'll get some pokeballs. Oh. Those are balls filled with raw tuna. <laughs> and we'll <laughs> yeah. throw them at Sean. <laughs> so long as I get to eat them afterwards. See if it's super effective. Wow. <laughs> okay, sorry. When you said Pokeballs, literally in my mind, I went to the raw tuna thing first. Really? So I did not think about Pokemon Pokeballs at all. <laughs> okay, <laughs> guys. We're a little slap happy. Wow. So. Yep. All right, so, everyone. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Thank you.